Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know more than what you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Thursday. January 5th, and we have some good news to start the podcast on Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. Uh, according to the Buffalo Bills, uh, they put out a statement this morning that per physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While he's still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he's making steady progress. Uh, we are grateful for the love and support we have received. Other reports uh, say that DeMar has been able to hold hands and even grip hands of uh, family and friends that have been visiting him. So that is great news uh, to start the podcast. Uh, feels good to be able to report that. We are here to preview the Week 18 slate from, uh, you know, obviously fantasy is over, uh, but we're still going to be talking football. We're still going to be talking some daily fantasy. Joining me to do that uh, on the back of that very good news is Tank Williams back on the show. Tank, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not much, man. I mean, I'm glad to be back on the show. I think before we get into the meat of it, I know y'all have been kind of talking about things prior to me joining the show uh, today, but... I mean, I just wanted to pay my respects to, you know, DeMar, his family, you know, continue to keep them in our thoughts and our prayers and then hope that he continues to trend in the right direction. I've been on a couple of different uh, types of shows where I had an opportunity to talk about experience I had in college where uh, we were on the field playing against the University of Washington. I had a teammate that was a running back, got tackled by a safety, and that guy got paralyzed from the neck down and ended up passing away like a couple years later. And so I think we received some really good news about DeMar. We need to continue to keep him in our top of mind and our prayers, but then also just try to make sure that I know we have a job to do and we're going to continue to focus on these games coming up in Week 18, the playoffs and things like that. We know the world that we live in. I mean, it's so quickly to just kind of move on to the next topic and things can go by the wayside. But this young man is going to be fighting for a long time. And, you know, just being out there on that field between the white lines and understand that I had like a few knee surgeries and you always understand that you can get hurt significantly, but like never has anyone really experienced like having to see someone resuscitated on the field with those players experienced on the field, with those fans endured uh, in that stadium. And so just making sure we keep them continually top of mind and just don't let this topic just eventually uh, fade away and just get back to normal. I mean, we do have to do a job and get back to some sense of normalcy, but to always keep him top of mind because that's something that he's going to be dealing with for a long time. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And and your perspective on this tank is obviously super valuable, uh, because uh, uh, you know you played the game. It's something that like I can't relate to at all. Any uh, you know Dalton, uh, obviously Dalton Del Don also on the show today. We'll get to Dalton in a second here, but like that that we can't relate to that. You know, like a lot of the listeners can't relate to that. So your perspective on on this particular moment is is super valuable, my friend. So I appreciate you yeah. being on the show today. And and yeah, like while we will continue to have you know, the typical conversations about football, I, I think, and I, I know like the other folks that host this show and, and I think a lot of the listeners of this show will continue to keep Damar in our thoughts and, and we'll, he'll, yeah. he'll continue to hang over the, the rest of the, the rest of the football season period. And, and, and beyond that too, I, we're all just hoping that he can get back to living like a, a, a normal yeah. life, regardless of whatever that looks like from a football perspective. That's not what matters. What matters is, is him as a person. And, and I think that's, I, I think that's been something that's hung over all of us uh, these last few days, and and as it should, is that you know this is a this is a young man, like this is a, a guy that, at twenty dude at twenty four years old, I I think Ryan Clark yeah, can said you imagine best. like yeah yeah, I think Ryan Clark said it best on ESPN like uh, at twenty four years old, I didn't even know I could die, you know, like I was in I was in, I thought I was invincible, you know, like yeah. and 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 then just seeing something like this, it's a uh, it really brings it all into perspective. So I appreciate you being here, Tank, and I appreciate uh, everything that you just said, Dalton. Dalton Daldon also on the show today. Dalton, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, there's nothing more I can add. That was the scariest thing I've ever seen in sports. I've ever, ever seen, no matter what the sport was, and definitely keeping DeMar in our thoughts. And nothing more I can add than, I mean, Tank, he's experienced it himself on the field. I mean, what what can I add to that? I mean, it's it was a scary situation, and hopefully this is uh, positive news that we continue to get more of it. Yeah. That's all we're hoping for here is more continued positive news. Uh, this will obviously come back up on the show as we talk about these two teams uh, that are involved for sure, because that's, a, it's, you know, it's funny, like we talk about in week 18 and even week 17, we start to talk about like motivation and uh, who's going to play their starters and who's going to be like the, and, and we sort of acknowledge that, oh yeah, these guys might have their minds elsewhere. You know, there's no more pressing uh, moment when that might be true than with the Bills and, and even the Bengals and really across the entire league. Uh, like that, that stuff will be really present in this moment. I, I don't know that we're going to try to diagnose that or anything like that, but we will certainly be discussing it on the show because it's real. Like uh, I, I said in, in the, the the podcast I put out when we were, you know, canceled a couple shows this week that well, the thing I'm most proud about this podcast is that we have consistently talked about like the human uh, element of football, you know, obviously through Eckler and a lot of the guests that we brought up in tank, you know, we talk about this a lot on fantasy football live with you. It's like, that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm proud that we talk about that as a show because I think it's, it's easy to just be like, Oh yeah, the human side of football and like, leave it at that. But we have to like really dive into that stuff. And we certainly will be doing that here uh, on the week 18 preview podcast. We're going to preview these games in order of the Vegas over-unders, uh, not including Sunday Night Football, which we always cover last, uh, because we should have been doing that all year, but we have a bozo of a podcast host, so uh, that <laughs> that is neither here nor there. Let's get into the show, and let's start with Chiefs at Raiders. This game will be on uh, Saturday. Uh, it's a 52.5 point over-under. Dalton, Jarrett Studham, uh, Jarrett uh, <laughs> uh, Stardom, uh, Jarrett, I mean... Geez, uh, this is his follow-up performance. How do we think it goes after an unbelievable debut against your Niners? Unbelievable is right. I mean, may the Niners overlooked him, maybe a little hungover in Vegas on New Year's Day, but what an impressive performance from Stidham. Three touchdown passes. The only other QB to do it against the Niners this year was Pat Mahomes. How about zero sacks also? So pretty impressive. There was a contingent of New England writers 
um, ready to, to to name him the, the next Brady there for a, a brief, brief moment <laughs> in that one summer. I, I was I was a believer just reading the hype on him. You go back and look at um, some of the, the 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 class of the 2015 recruiting rankings. Um, yeah. Kyler Murray was the number two QB in that class. Uh, Sam Darnold, number six, Joe Burrow, number seven, Lamar Jackson, number nine. But according to this, whatever, the one that most go by, the 24-7 sports, Stidham was the number one ranked QB in that class coming out of, <laughs> of high school for what it's worth. Maybe yeah. this is just one game or whatever, and it was just, uh, it will never see anything like this again. But to me, it was a type of performance that makes you question Derek Carr's season and, and something to pay attention to moving forward. I mean, it was really pretty eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tank, uh, thoughts on on Jared Stidham, because I, I agree with Dalton that his performance and a lot of people have pointed this out, but like the way he uh, improved out of the just this isn't really exactly encapsulate what I was saying, but like, you know, in terms of the implant, make a plays on the move, make a plays out of structure. But according to Pro Football Focus, he was five of seven for 120 yards and a t- and two, one or two touchdowns outside the pocket. Right. And, you know, that like ability to sit in there and that one throw he t- he made to Devontae Adams down the field, he waited until the very last second to let that thing go before getting clobbered. So I agree with Dalton. Like it did make me question Derek Carr just a little bit, but also, um, just seeing a guy play with his hair down like that. What, what, what was your thoughts on Jared Stidham? I mean, well, we need to kind of rewind a little bit and think about the conversations that we were having before kickoff. I mean, people were wondering if they should bench Devontae Adams in fantasy football. Let's not forget yeah, 100%. that. Yeah, 100%. And so, you know what I'm saying? We're like, man, the last time we saw this dude on the field Josh wasn't Jacobs that pretty. Too. So, man, maybe we should be starting this guy over Devontae Adams. And then this dude comes out and he just lights it up. And the one thing I thought about initially is like, man, like what's really going on with the 49ers? Because a lot of times you want to surge into the playoffs. And this is a team that we thought was just going to lay it down at the end of the season since they got rid of their franchise quarterback. But it's like, nah, Josh McDaniels is out there on a mission showing that, no, it's not me. It's Derek Carr. And then on top of that, (laughs) just seeing like the performance that he had where he throws up three touchdowns over 307 yards against that defense. Understanding that the 49ers' weak point on defense is attacking that secondary, but still, a quarterback that hasn't played, and I don't know how long to have that kind of success, it kind of reminds you of what Kyle Shanahan is doing with Brock Purdy. And so maybe in an instance like this, like if it depends on where the Raiders fall in the draft and who comes to them, but maybe Josh McDaniels can be that type of coach that says, as long as someone understands my system, knows where to go with the ball, if I have enough dogs around him, he can execute on my system and maybe excel in my system. And so I think that's what he's trying to highlight, not only in that game against one of the better defenses in the league against the 49ers, he'd be trying to do that against one of the defense that's probably performed the weakest out of a lot of the really good teams over the past yeah. month and a half. Because trust me, that Chiefs defense doesn't scare anyone after they're about the only defense in the NFL that's actually allowed Russell to look like a Michelin star chef. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're right, though. I, I was just thinking to myself, it would be so classic, like football, the weirdness, the weirdness of the NFL. If, you know, Jared Stidham cuts up the 49ers defense, but then comes in like, you know, gets exposed by the chief defense. <laughs> like the, the caliber of those two could yeah. not be any farther. But I totally agree with you that I think all of these offensive coordinators, Shanahan, I think, is the most he doesn't say it, but just by his actions is is the most like upfront about this. But I feel like all of these offensive geniuses in some ways love like, all right, one hand is tied behind my back with this, like, you know, quarterback or whatever, who's not as star studded as the other. Like, oh yeah, I'm just going to bench this guy, Derek Carr. And I'm going to come out. And I think Josh McDaniels put together a great game plan to, to, you know, take a, a advantage of 
the weaknesses in the secondary tank, but also some of the like over aggressiveness, bordering on over aggressiveness of the front seven, stuff like that. So great game. But I mean, I always think that Sean Payton secretly loved the idea of like, you know what? Drew Brees is going to retire. I'm just going to turn it over to Taysom Hill. You know, I'm, just, <laughs> that, I'm, gonna, I'm so good at my job. I, yeah. can, I, can, I, can, I can turn this over to Taysom Hill. You know, I think Josh McDaniels is kind of in that mode right now. So I agree the the bare minimum. What it showed us, I think, is that this Las Vegas uh, Raiders ecosystem is really good for a quarterback to get dropped in there next year, whether it's a rookie, whether it's a you know a veteran, whatever. Uh, I'm excited to see that. Uh, any other thoughts uh, from either of you on this game, like some players to highlight, anything like that, since we mostly just talked about Jared Stidham? Just wanted to iterate that the Niners had allowed the fewest yards per play on the road. I mean, yes, they may have overlooked a backup that spread moved, but man, it was an impressive performance against the league's best defense. And, and Stidham, you talk about the following week, maybe this is totally anecdotal, but teams the following week facing the 49ers this season are 0-15 because the Chiefs had a bye. Maybe they really are beat up and bang up their opponents, and now they have to travel and play Saturday a short week, and Stidham's got a banged up elbow, and Jacobs is, is battling injuries too. Worth noting, literally, opponents are 0 and 15 the following week facing the 49ers this season and tank i know you uh you uh, want to highlight the the point spread here or the yeah the that's the total. only thing i was going to say i mean i understand that they're dealing with some injuries and things like that but if that kansas city defense performs the way they've been doing over the past month and a half and if the raiders have any semblance of offense that they showed against the san francisco 49ers bang the over let's go man that'll be a fun uh That'll be a fun game to watch right before we get, you know, the Josh Dobbs show uh, later on Saturday night. But we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that one here uh, in just a second. We'll go to the NFC North here. Vikings at Bears. Tank, what are your thoughts on uh, the the Vikings uh, defense? You got to highlight a fantasy defense here in week 18. Mm-hmm. That is uh, that is an interesting one. Well, I have a fantasy defense in week 18, but it's more so speaking to the Vikings prospects in the playoffs because to me, if the Vikings don't excel on defense and just annihilate a Chicago Bears team that's going to sit Justin Fields, he's not going to play this game. So they really don't have anything else on offense. So if your defense can bow up and show out against that <laughs> Chicago Bears offense in week 18 as you're trying to go ahead and solidify your spot in the playoffs and then also build up some momentum to face the New York Giants more than likely in the playoffs, again, the team that almost beat you at home that's going to be coming yeah. in with their hair on fire, then, hey, you're not going to have – I mean, they already have a lack of confidence after the way that the Green Bay Packers just totally abused them. And I think a lot of people saw that coming. And so for people expecting you to go into Green Bay and get beat up the way they did and they're the number one team in that division, and then you come home, you have to end the season on a good foot to give yourself any kind of belief that you can go into the playoffs and compete against any of these NFC teams and have a chance. So right now I'm flipping it more so like using the fantasy defense to say, hey, y'all need to show up in order for these guys in real life to have the mental capacity to get a win in the playoffs and try to go and get a Super Bowl. Because right now I feel like a lot of those players in that locker room, the coaches and everyone at the top of the organization have doubt that they can win at least one playoff game this year. Yeah, I mean, come on. They got to be able to stuff uh, Nathan Peterman in a locker here. They got to be able to box up those those bears. There's not a lot going on there. Uh, like Basically, the only thing that was working for them was like Justin Fields taking off and running at this point of the season. We're obviously not going to get that with Nathan Peterman. Um, on the Vikings offensive side, Dalton, this is absolutely a spot where it's like, how much do they play the starters? I mean, they, they, they've let the number two seed slip where they were kind of controlling that for a long time. Uh, but how much does that come into question here? Yeah, my main question here is for DFS players. Do you pay up for Jefferson and Cook? It's a good matchup. Bears allowing a million fantasy points to running backs, the most YPA. 
Um, Jefferson could be motivated coming off a horrible worst game of his career and 190 some yards away from breaking the NFL record. I mean, you could, yeah. you could even look at it that way, but the other angle is with no Justin Fields, how competitive is this game going to be? You could even argue the Vikings don't want the number two seed and you want to avoid the Packers and you'd rather right. face the Giants. So, um, there's just a, an unclear situation of how much does Jefferson and Cook play? Do they put up enough points in the first half? It's worth worth it too. Also in this great matchup, so um, that's just my my outlook here. Is am I going to pay up for Jefferson this week after he burned so many DFS managers last week? And the same goes for Cook. Yeah, um, we'll be talking about this a lot, but I, I can't wait to see like what the Bears do to improve the situation around Fields. And I mean, they'll be picking. They'll either be picking first or second in the draft based on what happens uh, in this weekend. And if they get the first overall pick, I think that will be a really interesting uh, question there. So there's a lot to talk about with the Bears, but we'll get to that later. Speaking of those Giants, though, Giants at Eagles, next game here. Um, Dalton, I like your note that the line basically assumes that the Giants are resting starters because the Eagles are 14-point favorites, which is extremely mm -hmm. disrespectful to Tyrod Taylor, uh, native son of Hampton Roads, Virginia. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, I think the Eagles, it makes sense to rest the starters too. Dayball at first kind of acted like he was unclear, but then when this spread showed 14 points, it, it seems pretty obvious the Giants are going to rest their starters. So Barkley is someone to avoid in DFS. And it makes sense against an Eagles defense. I think they just set the record or tied for the most games in a row with six sacks. They're just lapping the field in sacks this season. So it's funny that these, the way the division's set up in the NFL, you got teams like the Bucks and Giants able to treat this week as a bye. I mean, it's just, it's just not exactly fair but it is what it is and the Eagles now it just comes down to is Hurts going to return here and uh, you know do they cover this 14 point spread against Giants backups yeah I, I definitely don't think we're seeing any of our like main Giants guys not that I mean there's like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and uh well I don't know hey, players anyway I, right well right. you know Dalton shout out to you though on the Richie James call uh last week my brother-in-law even texted me that he's like wow shout out to Dalton on that one so good stuff from you there uh but yeah probably not going to see most of those main Giants guys, but Tank, yeah, Jalen Hurts might be back. Um, looks like a spot where I, I do kind of feel like it would be nice if the Eagles went into the playoffs with some mojo here after beating up on Giants backups. I mean, yeah, one, they need to get into the playoffs with some mojo, and two, they still need to secure that number one spot in the NFC. Yep. And so I think when you're talking about how Dalton was alluding earlier, like how do you handle Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook in a situation where they're going against a really weak defense, they could potentially get up fast and then end up pulling those guys, resting them, and then letting Madison and some of these other guys kind of take over. In this instance, you have the Philadelphia Eagles that's trying to get the number one spot. They're not going to leave anything to chance, so they want to make sure they put this game away. And if you're trying to protect the quarterback who's coming off an injured shoulder, what are you going to do? Lean on the run game. And if you have a Giants defense that's been susceptible against the run already this entire season, and they're likely resting starters like Dexter Lawrence and all those guys, this seems like a layup to me for Miles Sanders. This should be another blowout spot. He had a really big game against them early in the season, and I would expect for him to go back-to-back -back in this one as the Eagles go ahead and clinch that number one spot. So I think they lean heavy on the run. Potential blow-up spot for Miles Sanders. Yeah, 11 carries, 42 yards, 21 carries, 65 yards, 12 carries, 61 yards the last three weeks for Miles Sanders. 
Um, and I felt him. I know he doesn't care about anybody's fantasy teams, uh, but I felt <laughs> those three. I felt those three games. Uh, so this would be cool to see him um, rebound here in, in a in a good spot against the Giants. Uh, that's a yeah. Go ahead, Dalton. One final thing. Sorry, I noted last week. Rob Pozzola had the crazy stat that last year with Lane Johnson off the field, the Eagles allowed the highest pressure rate in the NFL, forty-seven percent. First game without him last last week, six sacks taken Minshew. So not great start there. And Lane Johnson is uh, maybe the best lineman in football yeah 100 percent uh and i it sounds like he'll be back for the playoffs he put off surgery so uh hopefully we'll see that uh next game up here patriots at bills obviously tank you know 42 and a half point over under uh the bills are seven point favorites but there's as we talked about at the top this will certainly be um a game that we and we have no idea but but how are they gonna react how are the bills players gonna respond after what happened on monday night yeah so like, yeah, I definitely wanted to get into this because they're getting some good news uh, on DeMar, which is positive, especially for their mentals going into this game. Yet at the same time, I'm pretty sure the team is also communicating in, like how significant this issue is for him and that even though you have some positive news, like him using more of his lung capacity, you know, seeing that, you know, his brain wasn't really damaged when he wasn't breathing all that kind of stuff, he still has significant damage to his lungs significant damage to his heart and when you look at the number of people who recover from an injury like this is not really good so i mean he is still in critical condition for you know a number of reasons that we're aware of i mean it's good to have that optimism but then i think they also understand that there's like this reality that it couldn't be a really good outcome and that weighs on you and the reason i brought up the issue about my teammate and the guy who ended up passing away from the university of washington that when the injury occurred on the field on Monday Night Football. I immediately went back to my college game when that kid got injured on the on the field. They had to bring the ambulance out, understand that he was paralyzed for like two, almost two years, and then eventually like ended up passing away. And that the impact that it had on me not even being involved in the play, but more so like my teammate who was the running back, who was just running the ball, and he hit him. And then to be on the other side of that. And so just, and I know we're going to get to the Cincinnati Bengals game, but just thinking about how that's going to impact T. Higgins. And then yeah. also, I mean, playing football, you're accustomed to seeing people get injured, whether it's on TV or seeing like an ambulance come out. You never want to see it. It always impacts you. But never have I seen a team huddle around a player as they're being like revived. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so just that experience alone like i mean we've all had family members and been in hospitals and had to endure some things like tragic things in life and so when you're at a hospital that's like almost expected to a certain extent or at least it's, it's in the realm of possibilities but to have that happen just all of a sudden like i can't imagine what those guys are experiencing right now what's going through their head and then the first time they step between those white lines on saturday and on sunday and so just trying to figure out how they're going to approach the game. And the Bills and the Bengals were playing at probably the highest level of most of the NFL teams at this yeah. point in the season. Like, I argued that Cincinnati was playing the best out of anyone. And then when you look at the Bills, they were kind of under the radar because they kind of slumped a little bit midseason. And they had rattled off so many wins in a row. And, like, how do you get back to that when your entire mind, your, your entire focus was on, like, getting into the playoffs, getting the highest seed possible, going in with momentum, Joe Burrow talking about how December is like when you set yourself up for championships and now your focus is on something totally different. And so just 
seeing how those players respond, understanding what's still in front of them, but then also understanding like what one of their teammates, what one of their brothers, fellow NFL players is going through. It's going to be an interesting dynamic that's going to play out specifically for the Bills and Bengals just because they were there, but you're going to see that kind of permeate through all the teams in the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that over this coming weekend. I just, I can't imagine. There, there's been parts of me where I'm like, I, I wonder if the Bills just like forfeit this week, which I don't know that that, that would actually happen. But like, who care? Who cares about playoff seating, right? Like, take take another week. Like, take another week to come back from this because, you know, like, psycholo- like psychologists would say this, like first responders, law enforcement stuff like that. Especially like when it comes to like kids but even anybody like when you witness a traumatic event like that they they consider that you have gone through that traumatic event you know um and now these guys have to go back and like it's like imagine you experience some sort of family trauma and like the first thing you have to do is like go right back and 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 do the exact like repeat the exact action i can't imagine like that that's what these guys are basically going to have to do here um which is i, I don't know how i don't know how they how they how they get up for that i mean these guys are obviously you know different people than I am. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine doing that. Uh, though there's a lot of stuff, obviously they're football players that I could not uh, imagine professional football players that I couldn't imagine doing. So, um, I, I agree with you tank. I, I just have no idea if, like how they respond to this. And, you know, that was the biggest thing to me. Like Lisa Salters, I think made the point on ESPN that, you know, typically when we see guys get, you know, carted off or, or even stretchered off, like they give the grim little like thumbs up, you know, right. um, and, and they these guys didn't get that live. And and I think that's a, as, as much as that's like not really that encouraging, you know, like, oh, great. Like he's got movement in his extremities or whatever. It's like, well, there's a lot of other I mean, there's a lot more than mm-hmm. just that would, would yeah. be good news. You know, um, the, those guys didn't get that live. I think that's a big part of why it's like you can't go back and play that game, of course, which there's no need to relitigate that. It didn't it, we, we didn't play the game. That's that's good. But, you know, like Sean McDermott saying to Zach Taylor, by the way, I have so much respect for these two coaches. I, I, I mean, and these two guys as men after what they dealt with. But yeah, man, like how Sean McDermott even said, like, I can't coach this game. Like, I need to be with Damar in the hospital. And these guys, like you said, it's not as if like he's going to come walking into that locker room before this game and they'll have right. seen him and, and all that. So I agree with you, Tank. I it's it's hard to speculate, but I just have no idea how how this game will go because of that. Not to transition us uh, to the Patriots after this, uh, Dalton, but um, just on the Patriots side of this, what are what are we looking at here? They they are like as much as the Bills obviously have so much hanging over them. They're they're still trying to you know make their pl- playoff run, everything like that. The Patriots are also still trying to get into the playoffs here, and and I mean it's just it's just going to be such a weird atmosphere. I have no idea how to mm-hmm. predict this game. Yeah, me neither. I, I just wrote in the outline, is Mac Jones the answer? Um, definite step back for him his sophomore year. I mean, 11 touchdown passes in 13 games uh, in this in today's passing era. Um, 6.9 YPA. Maybe he's playing through a high ankle sprain that has compromised him that he otherwise wouldn't, but Bailey Zappi threatening his job. I don't know, but it's definitely discouraging. The play calling has been called out by the owner now. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens in the offseason. But, but, or, yeah, this team is going to be in the playoffs, but we'll see Mac Jones. His, his second year in the league was definitely not encouraging. I will say yeah. one thing, though. Like, a lot of teams in the NFL 
have like these game breakers, these game changers on offense. What do you think about the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey? The Bills have Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. We can talk about the Miami Dolphins when Tua was healthy. They have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Like the Patriots don't have that on offense. But that defense is something special. Like, they have Judon, they have Uche, they wreak havoc on opposing quarterbacks. They have Kyle Duggar, who's had a number of pick sixes this year. So if there's going to be a path to the New England Patriots securing the win and getting into the playoffs, it will be a Buffalo Bills team that has their focus somewhere else, and rightfully so, in the New England Patriots defense being able to take advantage of an offense that's already been turnover-prone this season. And being able to do that one more time in a hostile environment because obviously those Bills fans are going to be hyped up to support their team to the fullest and come away with a, a victory in just unimaginable environment and then somehow getting themselves into the playoffs. But it's going to be on the defense. And then they're just going to play defense on offense and hopefully don't mess themselves up with a bad turnover on that side of the ball. Yeah. You know, a guy like Diggs on, on Monday night um, – by the way, that made the whole thing to me almost even more striking that these were guys that like we've had on the show. And like, I mean, I've talked to Diggs for years and years now and like watching their their reactions to the yeah. moment almost made it like no, knowing these guys in, in a small, small way somehow made it even like, um, I, I don't know, even even more jarring the entire experience. But, you know, like I, I do remember Diggs like trying to hype these guys up like when they thought they were going to have to go back to play. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know how they'll respond to it, Tank. You know, and and we got the Bengals game here next. Uh, I don't know how that's going to go. It's everybody's going to be different. You know, Zach Taylor. We'll just move right to the Bengals game here because I think it's a decent transition. Ravens at Bengals is next. Tank and like, you know, Zach Taylor said th- this week, like he would understand if nobody, if somebody didn't want to play this game. You know, if, if somebody just wanted to w- wanted to, I, I don't know. You know, if they didn't want to didn't want to play this game, didn't want to play any games. But according to him, he had no like interactions with any players that would have led him to think that was going to happen but this is yet another team that you know they're going to have to go back on the same field this is the same field too that 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 obviously we we saw this happen with demar hamlin we also saw like a extremely scary situation with tua earlier in the year Mm -hmm. um it's it kind of incredible what these guys have witnessed so far this year yeah absolutely and i think you already touched on it before but just zach taylor's press conference yesterday when he was just kind of outlining the events that took place on Monday night and how they came to the decision and, you know, the talks that he had with Sean McDermott. I mean, if you had any doubt why that guy was the leader of the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, he's just exemplified it right there in that like five to seven minutes feel that he has. So kudos to him. And you can see why they've had all the success that they've had because he seems like, and you know, not, not to, not to interrupt tank, but like Zach Taylor's a guy that does still, despite all the Bengals, like, success under him he does kind of still get a decent bit of crap um from like a schematic standpoint but that has always been clear to me like when you look at this team that he whatever whatever you think about him as a play caller or an offensive coordinator offensive designer whatever the players clearly they have they have really turned like we, we talk about change the culture all the time that is like and this is a very extreme example of it but i think you could have seen it from this guy previous that they have really have a clear cut culture there. Uh, and he yeah. is kind of at the him and Joe Burrow, I think, are like the two driving forces of that. No, absolutely. And then when we want to kind of focus on the game, I mean, we kind of touched on the psyche of the Bills. And I believe that's going to be similar to the Bengals in this one. But then when we zoom out and we look at this game from a macro level, like this is the AFC North. 
everything is on the line for the division title. And what do we know about the AFC North? It's arguably the most physical division in the NFL. So whenever you think about the Ravens playing the Steelers, the Bengals playing the Steelers or or the uh, Bengals, like, man, it's going to be a physical contest. But are we going to see that same type of ball right. after what took place? Like, obviously, the Ravens all were. And then the Bengals, like, how are they going to respond? Like, how how's the offense going to respond? Like, T. Higgins, like I said, like, he was – directly on the opposite side of that hit. So how is he going to be able to perform uh, this coming weekend? And the defensive players, are they going to still play with that same mentality, same physicality? And so I don't know if that leads to like missed tackles or a little bit of hesitance that leads leads to more big plays, something like that. Or we'll continue to see the same intensity that we're accustomed to seeing when these two teams link up. I mean, there's just so many unknowns so many variables that are in play with this game just because not only are you you're trying to dissect the X's and O's and how both of these teams may approach the game, but also just trying to think about how each individual on the field is going to be able to process what they've witnessed and experienced over the past week and then try to go back to performing their job at a high level. And I think just with so much volatility and how all that's going to play out, it's really tough to predict what's going to happen. Yeah, it really is. Um, I have been encouraged by seeing like kind of the outpouring of support for for T Higgins, you know, because I can't imagine. And I mean, your your teammate was on the other like on the other side of something like this. How do you not let that affect you? Right. Like, how do you not let, you know, the fact that you delivered or that you were involved so closely involved in the play uh, that 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 like preceded this event? I mean, that's just I, I don't know how you. I don't know how T Higgins responds to that. I, that's this is all stuff. There's so many things on a weekly basis, you know, when we're talking about like the high level fantasy stuff, that we're not even close to like the meat of the fo- like the what's going on on the field. There's so many different variables that we don't know. This is obviously a huge extreme example of this, but yeah, I I have no idea how the Bengals respond to this. Um, but we'll see, man. I mean, it's. Like like we said, we do have some faith in the culture there, Tank. Like it's instilled by Zach Taylor and everything, and I think that's at least um, you know, that's encouraging. And hopefully, he's able to guide all. All we want really is just like positive outcomes all the way across Absolutely. from this. And yeah. and you know that obviously that is first and foremost uh, on Demar Hamlin and his like long term health and his his physical well being and just being with us. But you want the you want the best for these Bengals players and the Bills players and everybody involved uh, from this situation. Every player across the league. That's what we that's what we want out of this. So we'll see. Uh, to transition just to the Ravens, who you know not nearly the same magnitude, but they've got some weird stuff going on uh, there with uh, Lamar Jackson, Dalton. Uh, what what is the deal with Lamar? Right, like it's gotten to a point where. You know, John Harbaugh every single week says, like, I don't know. He's just basically shrugging. You could certainly put your tinfoil hat on to talk about the Lamar Jackson part of this, um, Dalton. But do you think we see him in this game? Uh, and if not, are we going to see him play postseason games for this team? Oh, yeah, that's the question. Still not practicing, so it's looking more doubtful to see him this week. Uh, you're right. Harbaugh's response has been a little weird. Obviously, the injuries lasted longer and been more serious than originally anticipated, and their Baltimore offense has been cratered and ruined because of it. And now we go into possibly the offseason uh, with his contract looming. So, yeah, it's just an unfortunate situation. And the, the story with the Ravens right now is Lamar's availability for the postseason if they get there. Yeah. 
that is certainly the question. And, you know, another thing, obviously, we haven't even talked about the fact that we don't know at this time what is going to become of the Bills Bengals game. Um, we don't know how the how they're going to decide these like the seeding of the playoffs and who cares. Right. Like I said, I, I wouldn't even blame the bills if they were like we're not playing this game we'll take the l from the seeding perspective whatever we'll just forfeit it right like who cares about that stuff but um in terms of whether this does decide the afc north this particular matchup like we don't we don't know that stuff because of the playoff seeding and everything yeah i misspoke they're are they're in the playoffs i meant for for when they're in the playoffs right. the ravens they're just playing for seeding sorry my bad no no you're good it's just like it's again there's just so many unknowns in this particular week because of this um but uh we're gonna take a quick break when we come back Got a lot of uh, got a lot of meaningless games to get through with uh, less <laughs> on the line from a playoff perspective. Uh, right after this, welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com/slash/metaverseimpact. All right, we're back. Uh, before we jump into the Panthers, the Saints game, did want to share uh, a tweet I just saw from Tom Pelissero, who said that Dr. Timothy Pitts from the UC College of Medicine says there's been, uh, quote, substantial improvement with DeMar Hamlin over the past 24 hours, and, quote, he's beginning to awaken, and it appears his neurological condition and function is intact. He calls it a turning point in his ongoing care. So I thought that was uh, more good news that we got in the middle of the taping. Just great. And, you like, by the time with this podcast posts, you guys will probably know a lot more uh, than than we do, but uh, I do just think again, good good stuff. Good any any piece of good news, any piece of good vibes we get from Demar's care is is great as we head into this week eighteen, and frankly, as we go ahead moving forward, Panthers at Saints. The Saints are three and a half point favorites. Dalton, um, the Saints defense after a tough start to the year has sort of kind of started to turn around, especially with Marshawn Lattimore back last week. That was great to see. We haven't seen that guy play in forever. Takes a pick uh, to the house from Gardner Minshew. Yeah, they deserve some credit last week uh, for their performance. I remembered back to when they held the 49ers. So they lost in San Francisco 13 to nothing. Now, admittedly, that was before Joe Montana. I mean, Brock Purdy took over. It was still with Garoppolo. <laughs> but this Saints defense has not allowed more than 20 points in a game since November 7th. So they've just been kind of under the radar getting it done and deserve some credit for the performance they put on in in Philly. And we've, you know, the nerd stats are, or maybe not the nerd stats, what is it, PFF or whatever, likes Andy Dalton more than most of us do this year. So yeah, the right. Saints are maybe not quite the pushover that, that most consider here at the end of the year. But um, yeah, just their defense, I wanted to note, that is quietly under the radar, really holding teams uh, under 20 points consistently for two months now. Yeah, and tank on the Panthers' offensive side of this. You know, this we're, again, we're, we've had a lot of heavier uh, conversations here about player motivation and how, and guys in, in their mental state with games and stuff like that. I do find it pretty interesting just um, from the perspective of the Panthers' players here, Tank. Those guys want Steve Wilkes as the head coach. Period. Like, end of story. Those guys are all in on Steve Wilkes. Um, they certainly are motivated to send him out with a bang here uh, in week 18 if it can move the owner at all into hiring him as the full-time head coach. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the motivations for the teams that are still in the playoffs, but then now we have to look at some of the motivations for some of these teams that, if you look at it from the outside, they really don't have anything to play for. And That was one thing that I mentioned kind of, I think, in the middle part of the season, like on another show where it's like, the Panthers could have easily laid down after they traded away, you know, 
Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson and all these other guys, Baker Mayfield late in the season. But what really stood out to me was when they went down to Cincinnati and just got stomped. That's when Joe yeah. Mixon had the only blow up really good game he had all <laughs> damn season. And then yeah, like twenty five percent of his fantasy points, right? something like that. Probably yeah. probably bare minimum in that game. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> and so then they come back, and then they just have like a really great performance, and I believe that was the start of this run. And at that point in time, just after that, the way they responded after the Cincinnati game, I was like, man, this dude like needs to be considered to you know be retained yeah. as the head coach. And I believe that's been proven as we've gotten through the latter part of this season. But like one thing I wanted to just point out was. DJ Moore. I mean, this dude, we we were ready to dump him. I remember Rev was like, yo, like, I'd rather have this Chris Moore than this DJ Moore guy on my fantasy team. And he was right because they they weren't feeding DJ Moore, but like all of a sudden you get Sam Darnold back in on the center. And DJ Moore really came on late in the season. And it's crazy to think that he's only 122 yards away from having a thousand yard season. Will he be able to get that against the Saints defense that played a lot better against the Philadelphia Eagles, one that has Marshawn Lattimore back? I don't know, but I think this is one thing that's probably on the radar of like some of those offensive coaches in the Panthers and say, hey, if yeah. there's maybe one thing we can do is maybe get our guy over this, you know, mark. And so it'd be interesting to see if they try to go to him early and often in that Saints game and see if they can get him over a thousand. Understanding that also we we're talking about the motivations of how the Bills and the Bengals were going to play after what happened on Monday Night Football. Now, trust me, teams that aren't in it, guys, players understand that what you put between like between those white lines on tape, like all 31 other teams are looking at it. So if you're not with your team the following year, you're auditioning for another team. That being said, you also want to make sure that you're not in a team's training room at the end of the season. So best believe that, yeah, they want to put their best stuff on tape, but they want to make sure they walk away without an injury in the last game of the season. And especially after witnessing what we saw on Monday Night Football. So that's going to be in the back of everyone's mind to a certain extent. Now, how they go out there and execute for four quarters, that remains to be seen. But understand that that's going to be realer than probably we've ever seen it in prior seasons because of what we experienced with DeMar Hamlin. No, I think you're 100% right about that. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot on the line here for these Panthers guys um, because they clearly want, you know, they don't want you know, Jim Harbaugh coming in there. They don't want, you know, some big fish. Uh, they they want to keep the guy in place. We'll see if that happens. Hey, at the very least, like for Steve Wilkes, I think he deserves to be uh, interviewed for other jobs just based on, like you said, Tank, how he turned the vibe of the. It, it could not be worse from a vibes perspective early on in Carolina to where it is right now. But Dalton, yeah, I mean, DJ Moore, our guy. I, and I know that there are people, there are people out there because I'm friends with some of them who are pissed at specifically me and you on this podcast for talking about DJ Moore too much. But if you had told me at the beginning of the year, you know what's going to happen? DJ Moore is going to go over a thousand yards and he's going to score seven touchdowns. I probably would have been even uh, more aggressive in in talking about DJ Moore allegedly too much on this show. I believe a couple years ago he had was targeted like twice in the red zone all year, and I'm looking at his box score right now. Do you know that Moore has been targeted inside the five in four straight games before last week? I didn't realize that. So his usage is has really helped too. But yeah, you you watch the film more than me. You know he's a stud. He's really good. Nice to see it finally turn into some production for fantasy managers. Definitely be targeting him again next year. The guy's clearly a baller. Yeah, I, I texted my buddy uh, Ryan about this. The guy who said, "Oh, this is your guy, DJ Moore." He's not really one of my guys. Just a, yeah, he's a good, good player. 
last week when he was balling out. He's like, yeah, it's really great for my fifth place fantasy team. Thanks a lot. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. Regardless, <laughs> DJ Moore, good player. Okay, Rams at Seahawks. The Seahawks have a lot on the line in this game. Uh, they could still make the playoffs if they I think they need a little help, whatever, but they definitely need to win this game. That's for sure. So Tank, is Kenneth Walker going to be a big part of them potentially launching here uh, to a postseason berth? I mean, he should be. And I mean, we need to get Austin Eckler in the Pro Bowl at some point. But the reason I feel like nice. Kenneth Walker should be able to blow up this week is this fact. Like, we understand that Austin is a baller, but he's done most of his damage uh, through the air this season. I mean, you really don't look at him just having a bunch of 100-yard games and things like that. Yet this dude had like 10 for 122 or something like that and two yeah. touchdowns against the Rams. And I'm telling myself, if he can do that against this defense— just imagine what K-9, because we understand that the New York Jets have one of the tougher defenses in the league, and they were playing for their playoff lives last week. And for them to arrive in Seattle, and one of the early plays in the game, K-9 to break off like a 60-something yard run and just kind of open them wide up and say, this, happen, this is what type of game is going to be for four quarters. Like, that was impressive to me. And so if the Seahawks are going to, like, try to stay in this hunt for the playoffs— I think they want to lean on Kenneth Walker the third, and I believe he should have another huge game. And so he would be someone that I would target in DFS to have a, a monumental game here in Week 18 as the Seahawks try to do what a lot of people thought they didn't have a chance in hell of doing when the season started, and that's making the playoffs. Yeah, they're still very much alive in it. Uh, on the other side, Dalton, the Rams are not a, even close to alive in any sort of uh, postseason <laughs> race. However, they do have one guy finishing strong for him over there. Yeah, so I love both Cam Akers and Ken Walker. Yahoo DFS, $25 salary this week. Just to reiterate with Tank saying K-9. I guess the broadcast said Ken, don't call me Kenneth Walker, so I guess he prefers Ken. That was the most rushing yards easily of any opponent against the, uh, the Jets last, last week. He's awesome. Due for touchdown regression, hasn't scored in four straight weeks after scoring a million in the previous four. Um, so I definitely love uh, a Walker and DFS. Cam Akers... Um, he nearly had a 65-yard touchdown catch last week. Also, leads the NFL in success yeah. rate over the last month. Um, the Seahawks allowing the third most fantasy points to running backs. Seahawks, by the way, haven't allowed a 100-yard receiver since week one. I know we're frustrated with Garrett Wilson's performance last week. So it sets up for the Rams to just feature Akers again like crazy. So really like him. He's just passed the eye test. He went from nearly being traded to suddenly looking like one of the best backs. And just Briefly, to, to further, the Seahawks have been kind of screwed by the scheduling this week twofold. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, the Chargers game moving the way it did. Sorry, the Ravens game, it made the Chargers game have less incentive. That Chargers have gone from three and a half point favorites to two and a half point underdogs, which we'll talk about. And that might cost Seattle two spots in the, NF, in the draft. But more importantly, Sunday night. It hurts them the most with, with Detroit possibly having no motivation against the Green Bay Packers, and they need the Lions to win that game. So totally, for obviously TV reasons, they moved uh, Rodgers there. But secretly, I always hear about how this hurt the Lions. This really hurts Seattle, too. The, the Seattle got screwed with the scheduling, the scheduling decisions this weekend. Yeah, I've got some thoughts on that. We'll save it for the Sunday night game, uh, but we'll, we'll definitely get into that. Um, no, Cam hey, Akers' yo. performance... Yeah, go for one, it. one little note, dog, which is pretty cool. I just saw this chef the tweet that said, doctor said after DeMar Hamlin awakened last night, he asked him right and who won the game. And the doctor yeah, told him, that. yes, you won. You won the game of life. That's cool. As that's hell, good. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really cool. It's cool that I mean, shoot, it's just great that he's in a position where he's like asking, uh, you know, about yeah. who won the game. Um, we. <laughs> 
TB, TBD. I don't know. Yeah, but that's awesome. Uh, great stuff there for from Demar Hamlin to, uh, to and the doctors telling him that. That's awesome. So that I, I just saw that as well. Tank, that's good stuff, man. I'm glad you glad you glad you shared that. Um, next game up here, Cowboys at Commanders. Uh, the Commanders are out of the playoffs. Dalton, so you and you and my dad finally get your wish. It is Sam Howell season. So Howell is projected to be like a second round pick, like many. Uh, and then uh, uh, there are a few quarterbacks projected to be early that just completely dropped. If you weren't in the top two, you just fell, including, you know, obviously the best one from the draft, Brock Purdy. But Howell, you look at the <laughs> the, the profiler, college YPA, 80, 89th percentile, breakout age, 92nd percentile. But really why I've been joking with you throughout the podcast is I heard Sean Siegel, who follows college far more than me, basically say the NFL just missed this and, and, and you comp what he did in college and typically they're just drafted far higher and succeed in the NFL. So if Hal uh, doesn't do well, remember Siegel said it, but if Hal does ball, Dalton Dalton was your guy on, on this one. <laughs> got, it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. Uh, that's good for you to get that on the record, uh, especially to, to, to you know pass off some responsibility there. If that doesn't work out, that's good. Hey, Dalton, I did that to you like 50 times on FFL. Uh, I'd be like, oh, yeah, and actually this is a Dalton. <laughs> like Dalton kind of red-pilled me on this player uh, this week. So, uh, I, you know, fair enough uh, for you to pass the buck on this one. Uh, Tank. The other side of this, though, yeah, it's a day. It's a day three rookie making his first start yeah. uh, against a Cowboys team that is still motivated here uh, in Week 18. Yeah, yeah, the Cowboys are still vying for the number one spot in the NFC, and I understand all the metrics that Dalton threw out. But listen, if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you're one of the most feared defenses in the league, and you want to go into the playoffs with a lot of momentum then you got to beat up on this young kid. So this would be one of those games where Diggs better have a couple picks. Michael Parsons better be playing with his hair on fire. Tank Lawrence, they better have multiple sacks. Because honestly, man, I did not like what I saw from the commanders last week. And the opportunity to kind of get into the playoffs and you lay it down like that. And so I'm not expecting much from this team in the last game of the season where we feel like they're just going to try to mail it in and come away from this thing healthy for the offseason. So the Cowboys better do what they need to do on defense because honestly I wasn't impressed with what I saw on Thursday night football for that game to be 17 13 going into the fourth quarter with the Titans sitting King Henry Josh Dodds making his first start and I don't know how long like that's not what you want to see from your defense that's supposed to be one of the things that you lean on in the playoffs to try to get yourself a ring so the Cowboys have some stuff to clean up just like the 49ers do this week so it's gonna be interesting to see how some of the better defenses in the league bounce back from performances that I feel were lackluster last week. Yeah, to be clear, I don't think Hal's going to go crazy against the Cowboys this week. And it was wild <laughs> that Rivera didn't know Washington was eliminated in playoffs. And it was also wild when yeah. Carson Wentz, when Carson Wentz responded, which one? When the reporter asked him about the year interception, his response was, which one? That is awesome, dude. That was one of my favorite <laughs> quotes of the year. I mean, just brilliant. Man, I, I mean, listen, if you're trying to miss the playoffs, you just you need you got to call up Carson. You got to call up Carson Wentz to make last two years. Colts obviously they drove his ass out of town uh, after he <laughs> after he blew it against Jacksonville uh, in the final week of the season. And you know what? Shoot, the Commanders they're like, listen, we we don't want to be in the playoffs. Okay, we 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 don't want to be a part of this. We would like to stop playing after Week 18. Let's throw Carson Wentz out there. He'll he'll get the job done against Cleveland. I mean, my God. Unbelievable. I can't I can't believe they went back to Carson Wentz. I'll never I'll never let it go. I love Ron Rivera, big Ron Rivera guy. I don't even care uh that I don't even care about the elimination thing. 
I I just knocked the, my camera off off the skew there. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah you showed us. We, yeah, you showed us how you feel about the commanders. Yeah, I really did. I don't right? even want to be on camera. I don't even want to be on camera for this. Oh, that's great. That's good stuff. Uh, anyways, yeah, Carson Wentz, give me a break. Uh, while I fix my camera here, we'll move on to the next game: Browns at Steelers. Dalton, is Kenny Pickett the answer? Yeah, so I'm riding on Sunday night. Uh, it's actually I weirdly the game I, I watched the least. Um, and I'm told he made a bunch of impressive throws in the fourth quarter of that game, Sunday Night Football. And a lot of people are now talking themselves into Kenny Pickett. You look at the numbers, they're they're not ideal. They're not great. You know, you look at the YPA and the, and the TD tosses and you look at his age. But so that's my question here is, you know, you look at the, the talented receivers they have on Pittsburgh's roster. Obviously, he's made some impressive throws to help him win some games. But, um, you know, is he the long term answer? Because there are, you know, they're going to be some some real options in the, in the upcoming draft. I feel like we've seen, Tank. I feel like we've seen some pretty good stuff out of Kenny Pickett. That uh, just they got to change the they yeah. they got to like change the narrative the is that way now. Sorry to cut you off, but it feels like the narrative has shifted that he's made some yes. plays, some impressive. I think you said it, and you don't care. You know, I, I reevaluated when when you wrote about it too, Harmon. I mean, it it feels like he has kind of turned the corner in people's eyes. I think there are still like I'd like him to play on time, on schedule, on rhythm a little bit more, but he definitely. When you throw the script out, and as I've said about the Steelers offense, the script sucks, okay? The, the, the Matt Canada script is not good. Um, that's a script you can totally t t tear up and throw in the trash anyways. Man, I mean, my God, like I could go on and on. But but uh, they just, they're drawn dead as soon as anybody plays cover two against them. You, you go into a game, cover two defense, you're drawn dead with the Matt Canada offense. But that's a whole other, again, whole other podcast. Tank. I do think we've seen some good moments out of Kenny Pickett, especially the last couple weeks leading game-winning drives when he has to play off schedule um, to give you a little bit of optimism about the Steelers going forward. I mean, the only reason I have optimism about the Steelers going forward is because of what that run game has done since the bye week. True. Like, they rushed for 198 yards against the Baltimore Ravens last week, and that was impressive as hell to me. And I think that's going to be something that they continue to do if they're going to try to make a run in the playoffs. And then even if they don't make the playoffs, that's going to be that bread and butter going into next year. And so that was one of the things I wanted to touch on is, like, if you're looking at this from – a DFS perspective, like who do you want to lean on? Because obviously the Cleveland Browns have been really bad against the run. And you have Najee, who's actually been playing really well. And we were actually ready to write him off early on in the fantasy yeah, season. Yeah, we were. Rightfully so, because he wasn't doing shit. But now we have him playing at a high level. And then we have Chubb, who went 14 for like 104 in a game that they shouldn't have even cared about against the Commanders last week. And then he goes out, has that kind of performance. Deshaun Watson finally got his game together where he throws for three tubs. Amari Cooper looked like that dude that we used to see, not even back in, in Dallas, like that dude we used to see back in Oakland back in the day. Like he was looking good like, like Alabama, that. And so, yeah. yeah, so I feel like this is going to be a game. And I think the only way that the Pittsburgh Steelers come out of this one with a victory is that they continue to lean heavily on Najee, and he has himself a day like he's been doing the past few weeks. And I think they can probably get it done, but I'm not looking so much Pickett having himself a game. He needs to just be opportunistic with his throws, the pickings, and Deontay Johnson and all those guys. But lean on that workhorse, and then hopefully you get a little bit of luck for some other teams to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, it's a again, we talk about great coaches on the podcast. It's such a credit to Mike Tomlin that this team actually is in position to make the postseason and in position to potentially have uh, another winning record. He's never had a losing season before. It's pretty impressive. Next game here, Bucks at Falcons. Uh, Dalton, your note on this game is just Mike Evans, LOL. 
Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> I, on the podcast last week, our, our Gabe Davis Evans bet, I'm like, kind of feels like a three tutty week for Davis, doesn't it, uh, Harmon? And, and then oh, Evans you goes spoke out it and, into existence. In my bro. face. I even had to uh, boomer text you it and just, yeah, just, yeah, in my face. Uh, you officially won our bet. Father's office uh, burgers are on me the next time I'm in LA. So, so congrats, uh, Evans. Pretty funny in my face. Just the three touchdowns. Just, dude, I use them in DFS waiting for this blow up week, but finally it happened uh, when I don't. <laughs> but yeah, it's whatever. Congrats, Harmon. Good call. Evans still has it. Uh, pretty funny. Nice, nice blow up week there for me in my face. Obviously, uh, you know, Gabe Davis didn't play. There's no no stats from last week. We don't know what's going to happen this week. So he's still wide receiver 28. Uh, would you like to guess now where uh, Mike Evans ranks in the in the in the seasonal rankings, Dalton? After that? I, no, I would. No, I wouldn't want to guess that. Actually, I don't. Want <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's wide, wide receiver. He's wide receiver 11 now on wow. the season because of that. It, game, fast. Is, it does happen fast. Uh, oh, when no. you get those points Costco style in bulk, it can definitely help your uh, overall <laughs> rankings there. Um, Tank. Another guy, another big-ass receiver in this game, Drake London, has yeah. been balling of late. Yeah, I mean, the uh, younger version of Mike Evans, basically. And the one thing is that it seems to me that Arthur Smith is trying to save his job because you see where some of these coaches are, some of the heads are starting to roll here kind of late in the season. And he's like, okay, we spent a high pick on my man Kyle Pitts uh, recently, and then we have Drake London that we take in the top of the draft, yet we're one of the most run-heavy teams in the league, and we're not winning games. So I think the only way I can secure my job is to make sure that I highlight some of these players that we've drafted high. Well, Kyle Pitts is on the shelf. So what do you do? You feed Drake London 40 targets over the last four games. And so I'm not sure what he's going to be able to do with him with Desmond Ritter going against that. I mean, I guess fortunately for the Falcons is that the Buccaneers can't move anywhere in their playoff. They locked up yeah. the NFC South. They're going to be the number four seed. And so they're probably in the rest of some guys. So, hey, why not try to highlight Ritter? Why not try to highlight Drake London in your last home game, the last game of the season? So if there's going to be a super, uber duper blow-up spot for my man Drake London, this should be it. Tyler Algier, I think, in a good spot, too. He's he's another draft pick playing well for them right now. I, I'm I'm a uh, you know sicko. I'm a fan of Arthur Smith's offense, despite having Kyle Pitts on my dynasty team. So I can't wait to see what this offense looks like next year. And I agree with you, Tank, because of the Bucks' lack of motivation uh, really to do anything with their playoff seating here. I think we could get a pretty good performance out of all of our Falcons here to end the year. I'll add one thing real quickly here, just to reiterate what's going to happen the following week when the Bucks beat the uh, the Cowboys here. So the Bucks had <laughs> Pat Pat Thorman tweet ten drives of at least three plays last game. Seven drives using no huddle, they scored three points. Three drives using no huddle, they scored three touchdowns. I hope you're sitting down. So when they start going <laughs> hurrying up in, in the in the playoffs and start winning games, don't be shocked. It's going to be frustrating. I mean, hope you, you have the you have my um you have my permission to be pissed and frustrated and, and annoyed, but it, man, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, uh, can't wait to be in Phoenix uh, in February for the Super Bowl, and it's going to be Tom Brady's 100th Super Bowl. It's going to be so great. Uh, when they make it back there after this ugly ass season. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. All right, next game up here: Cardinals at 49ers. 49ers, uh, Dalton, your 49ers are 14 point favorites. That is doing a lot of assumption that they certainly will, you know, and I think they will be obviously motivated to play here for sure. Um, but how are we feeling about this game against the David Blau led uh, Arizona Cardinals? 
Yeah, so the main thing for his DFS here is CMC's availability. He did sprain his ankle in that last game. They're calling it minor, but he missed practice. He's typically been limited in practice, but there's a real chance in this game, and given the Niners, you know, are preparing for the, the following week playoffs, um, that we see maybe even Elijah Mitchell. That's another issue here. I would yeah. love to recommend Jordan Mason. I believe he's one of those is 14, the other's 13 in Yahoo DFS this week. But if they both play in the later afternoon game and we don't know CMC, that's going to be a, a real issue there. But yeah, the, it's a nice setup here for, for the for the Niners as 14-point home favorites here. And conversely, Arizona, Trey McBride, they've shut down tight ends, but Trey McBride really jumped off the screen last week. It's like, oh, the light bulb may have gone on there, especially with Blau throwing to him. And maybe um, Dorch will get a million targets. But with no Hopkins, you got to like uh, McBride is a cheap DFS option. I believe he's $12. And then just real quickly, because I can't help myself, uh, Brock Purdy is drawn uh, more defensive pass interference penalties than 16 starting quarterbacks this year. And he's had what four starts. Is that so, uh, man, the guy just continues to impress while playing through fractured ribs and a torn oblique. The man is, uh, the second coming. You got to love him. BCB. <laughs> BCB, the second coming, uh, tank. I'm sure you've uh, prepared a 10 minute, uh, monologue here about Brandon. Ayuk uh, before we go into this game here, actually, I didn't plan on mentioning Brandon. Ayuk, and um, you know, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't bring him up in the last little week of the season. Okay, it's fine. But uh, balling out, balling out. Obviously, you got it. Yeah, we have opportunities to uh, speak about him in the playoffs, and you know, it, it's all in good fun. But like Brandon Ayuk, man, the dude's a ball, and like he yeah, always he's has been a ball. He's always been talented. The only thing that always gave me issue was that why did the Shanahanigans move on to the wide receivers? Like we used to always see that at the running back position, but obviously he just has some kind of bone to pick with Brandon Ayuk at that time, but maybe it worked because now the dude's a revelation and he's balled out and he's somebody they could depend on. But I think the thing that I want to focus on, and I'm kind of giving him a little bit of shade, saying that the Niners defense needs to totally redeem themselves, but honestly, I feel like the Arizona Cardinals just need to watch out because... Yeah. No one expected the Raiders to have that kind of success against them. Man, those boys are going to be pissed off. They're going to be playing in sloppy conditions here in the San Francisco Bay Area at home, and it's going to get ugly for the Cardinals. Like, David Blau looked okay against the Falcons last week, but going against those Falcons and going against these Niners who got away with a close one in Vegas, and then they want to go into the playoffs with some momentum. Like, I feel like that defense is going to be clicking on all cylinders, and I wouldn't even consider in the Arizona Cardinals in fantasy and DFS this week. I think it's going to be a bloodbath with the 49ers defense just balling out of control for four quarters straight. Yeah, I think there's a chance we've seen the last of DeAndre Hopkins in an Arizona Cardinals uniform. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a chance he might move on in the offseason. And uh, yeah, team, now talk about a team that's facing a lot of questions. The Arizona Cardinals are certainly one of them. Um, oh, hold on. Yeah. I got I to gotta add Ayuk here. You know that guy had four first down catches <laughs> on that final drive in the fourth quarter. Pretty impressive. But then Robbie Damn Gold right. missed that short free field goal, didn't end the game, which cost the Niners that prevented every running back from reaching 60 rushing yards this season. But Jacobs got it in overtime. But Ayuk, it's funny you, got, you mentioned this, but Tank, do you realize that Shanahan has talked a ton of about Ayuk's first half of last week. He said he was awful, one of his worst games, and and it was like really bad overall. He gave him a poor grade. So Shanahan's still on Ayuk big time, and he, he expects despite his like too. first like hundred yard game of the season. Yeah, or whatever. no, he yeah. seriously was critical of him big time. He's like, well, good thing he did that because it was one of his worst performances. You know, it's a lot more than just catching balls. He said there's blocking and there's you know running routes. He really was the most critical of him all year on this last game. It's pretty funny. 
Oh, that is hilarious. That's that's classic, Kyle. Dude, you remember when uh remember when they drafted Danny Gray this past year and uh are you <laughs> vaguely, thoughts on it? Vaguely. Yeah. They well, did give yeah, him a yeah. carry last week, but yes, vaguely. Yeah, yeah. but the the uh Ayuk quote when they asked him, like, Oh, what do you think about Danny Gray? You know, being in the receiver, he's like, Yeah, it's nice there's another rookie in here for Kyle to leave me like to, to bother and leave me alone. <laughs> So there you go. Uh, he is he is really hard on the receivers because I think he used, he used to play yeah. receivers. Because yep. so he, he was one. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, all right, big game here. No, 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 no high point total. That's why it's so uh, late in the outline here. But Titans at Jaguars. Jaguars are six point favorites here. Tank, uh, your Titans. Tank, can they defend the AFC South crown? That's interesting. I mean, my little note in here is that this is the Jags' opportunity to win the AFC South for the first time since 2017. And if you look at everything the Jags have been doing over the past like few weeks, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is obviously the best quarterback in the AFC South right now. Travis Etienne has been balling out of control. When you look at how the team performed as a whole against the Houston Texans last week, where so many good teams have been playing, the Texans played so many good teams close, like the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs. They took them to overtime. They played the Dallas Cowboys close. Yet and still, the Jacksonville Jaguars go into there and just blow them out. Yeah. And so that was impressive to me. That being said, we saw that the Titans rested all their starters against the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night football. And they still put up a pretty damn good fight. And I think that the worst thing that you can do is kind of discount a wounded dog. How you doing with the Tennessee Titans? I understand that they're going to have Josh Dobbs at quarterback. At the same time, they have Jeffrey Simmons, who's going to be a week healthier after sitting out last week. They have King Henry, who had an extra week to rest that hip. And it's not like Ryan Tannehill was just balling out of control with the pass game anyway. So is it that crazy to think that the Titans could give Derrick Henry 20-something carries? He rushes for 200-something yards. That defense is opportunistic. You have Jeffrey Simmons that's all up in Trevor Lawrence's grill the entire game. Kevin Byer gets a couple of interceptions and the Titans come over with a victory. That's not that far-fetched to believe. So they people of Vegas anticipates this being a low-scoring game, which tells me that they expect the Titans to come out here and play. I mean, I would love to see the Jacksonville Jaguars go ahead and get themselves a dub because I love what I've seen from Trevor Lawrence, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram at the back half of the season. I want to see some new blood in the playoffs, and it's good to see them playing as well as they have. But there's no way I'm going to just go ahead and discount the Titans and say that the Jags are definitely going to win this because I feel like the Titans are going to put their best foot forward this weekend. I want to be clear that I'm not I'm not totally writing off the Titans here. Like I think they can absolutely win this game because of the players that you highlighted. Obviously, Jeffrey Simmons arrested Derrick Henry coming in here. Um, and look, credit to Josh Dobbs. He, was he perfect on Thursday night against the Cowboys? No, it was his first career start. But they were able to actually run the offense much more than they were with Malik Willis back there. Yeah. I don't want to sit here and dunk on Malik Willis or anything like that because he's a raw rookie. What did we expect? But Dobbs did just again execute the offense still Dalton there's a huge talent gap here from the quarterback perspective and of course like yeah I'm with you, Tank. I, I would love to see uh the the Jags in the playoffs I think it'd be good like legacy resume building for Trevor Lawrence like we don't need to have the discourse in the offseason of like when people are getting excited about Trevor Lawrence like people were excited about Justin Herbert going to his third year he's like well he's never been to the playoffs don't you he's never been to the playoffs. <laughs> we can just get that out of the way with Trevor Lawrence right now but still Dalton the quarterback gap here uh, is that big enough for the Jaguars to win this game? I can really only concur with what you guys said here. I'm rooting for Jacksonville to win. I have a ticket on them to to win this division. I will be drafting and ranking Trevor Lawrence as a top five fantasy QB next next year. 
but Tennessee, an absolute live dog. They, they're coming off basically a mini buy, well-rested, whereas Jacksonville has to play a short week on Saturday, the complete opposite. Um, Dobbs definitely uh, made the passing offense at least passable. I mean, they, they, Willis couldn't uh, even complete a forward pass. So um, six. I'm taking the points here. They're well-coached, so absolutely expect a close game that comes down to the end, and, and hopefully we see Jacksonville uh, in, the, in the playoffs. So just to see a new team and see, see Lawrence in there. All right, boys, we're going a little long because we've uh, talked some serious stuff here, but let's go rapid fire on these last three games here that we've got uh, because not a lot of appealing stuff to talk about these next three games. Let's start with Chargers and Broncos. Broncos have, as Dalton said, become two and a half point favorites. Um, Dalton, this game, uh, any thoughts uh, on a potentially completely resting Chargers team uh, and Denver, which I mean, how bad was Nathaniel Hackett, Dalton? How bad? Yeah, I mean, they, it's not like they lit it up yards per play or anything, but they did put up a fight against uh, Kansas City big time in Kansas City. I mean, you know, you get that dead cat bounce with the the game after the coaches fired, but the one I think it's more than this that the fact that Albert O had six targets and suddenly produced, <laughs> and they're calling it redundant. There was so you're back. Hey, you're back. You're back to calling him Albert yeah, O. I didn't Albert call him Albert Zero. Zero anymore. No, I did not, <laughs> and it's not his fault. I should not have given him that moniker because it's all Hackett's whatever the political reasoning for Dulcich over him was because obviously Albert O should have been playing over these Sauberts and Andrew Becks all year Tomlinson's I mean what a joke I mean so yeah how bad was Hackett with their performance the week after in Kansas City as big underdogs and with Albert O just suddenly doing that from you know not playing I mean just it's just really annoying yeah the Albert O thing is pretty hilarious uh Tank what do we see out of the Chargers this week because obviously this is a game they might not need at all yeah, so it's interesting how they approach this. Like, obviously, this is a game that may not impact them whatsoever on how they perform. Yet, at the same time, you always want to go into the playoffs with some momentum. So I think it's one of those situations where if they feel like the best thing to do is just rest everyone, then we won't see any of those guys play, and then this game is just a wash. But if they want to go ahead and kind of, you know, get them guys, get their guys some work, get them a, a nice little lather and show that they can still execute at a high level and then just kind of take the foot off the pedal. Then that's a totally different story. But as you said, this is going to be pretty much a meaningless game that really doesn't matter too much. The Chargers are getting up for next weekend. The Broncos are ready to ride into the offseason. So there's really not too much to talk about in this game. Yeah, let's ride right into March and April uh, for the Denver Broncos <laughs> there. All right, Jets at Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins still can make the playoffs, so I don't want to completely you know, discount them here, Tank, yeah. but they're probably playing Skylar Thompson this week. Teddy Bridgewater banged up. We haven't seen two at practice all week. Um, it, man, it's just there was even a – I don't know if I want to call it a report, but there were rumors circulating a, a, on Twitter this week that like, oh, Mike McDaniel could get fired uh, if they lose this game, which nah. is absurd for a lot of different right. reasons Yeah. Um, considering their, what, the, what they have dealt with here in the back half of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see that, but yeah, that is absurd because if you look at what he was able to get out of Tua and the explosive plays that they've gotten through that offense consistently throughout the entire year, not only in the pass game, but in the run game as well. I mean, you can tell that the players have bought into what he's selling there in Miami and that he's really set that organization up to having uh, continued success. So I, I think that uh, report was just BS, really. But then when you want to just kind of speak to this game, it's more so... Can Skylar Thompson just get it done and get these guys in the playoffs? I mean, we understand that he has like two of the most dynamic wide receivers in the league when you have the Cheeto on one side and the Penguin on the other. Can he get them the ball and just score enough points over just defense that was maligned, you know, against that uh, Seattle Seahawks 
uh, team last week. And so how are they going to perform knowing that there's no way for them to get in? And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Dolphins perform. Uh, easier matchup than they had against that Patriots defense because I believe that regardless of how they perform on a week-to-week basis, the Patriots defense is one of the tougher units to play in the league, especially when you have that familiarity with them and then they have that pressure coming off the edge and the playmaker ability in the secondary. So with a with a easier matchup, maybe, against a Jets team that doesn't have anything to play for, can Skyler get it done? Yeah, we shall see. Uh, Dalton, on the Jets side of this, I know you've got a potential bounce back, uh, you know, your eye on a potential bounce back here for Garrett Wilson, uh, but I'm sure you've also seen that the Jets will be sticking with Zach Wilson through, quote, hell or high water, according to Robert Sala. Well, sounds like hell to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's more of an offseason thing. I would, yes. yeah, it would be off Zach, uh, Garrett Wilson in DFS if Zach is starting this, but assuming it's Mike White, who. So last week, Wilson was a, a DFS bust. Uh, partially, like I mentioned, Seattle has allowed zero 100-yard receivers since week one. They're a tough secondary. And I also underrated Mike White's rib injury. He went to 10 doctors, wouldn't clear him the week before. He was getting rid of the ball quickly. And I guess, admittedly, that could be a problem again this week. But hopefully a whole nother uh, week gets those ribs a little bit more healed. And you love the matchup in Miami. Their pass funnel ranked 25th against the pass, 6th against the run in DVOA. Opponents have the second highest pass rate in Miami this year. So... I like Garrett Wilson to bounce back. He was the number three PPR receiver with Mike White at quarterback entering last week. So I like him to finish the season strong here. Yeah, uh, that would be nice to see. All right, next game here. Texans at Colts. Uh, Colts are two and a half point favorites. Who cares? Dalton's note on the outline is gross. Tank's uh, note on the outline is should be the ugliest game on the slate as both teams try to secure prime draft status. Either of you boys want to add anything to that? No. Yeah, not really here. No, this is bad. No, I don't. Ha- I don't have muffin for you here. No, I don't. Too bad the detective Davis Mills. You know, we had a good run. We had a good run, but we're moving on. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's. I don't got much for you here. Both teams really need to address that quarterback position uh, during the offseason. But I will say, I will have a lot to say about them if they do get Bryce Young. Man, that dude looks special in the ball game. So if they get him and they pair him with some weapons on the outside, just imagine him throwing the ball to Mechie again and some of these other young wide receivers that kind of show it out a little bit. And that defense can perform at times how we saw them playing them tough against the Chiefs and the Cowboys. So I'll be interested to talk about the Texans once they get a quarterback in that room for sure. You pair him with Damian Pierce and all those other guys, now we're cooking. But right now, Tank, nah. Tank, who who you think who you think weighs more, Dalton or Bryce Young? <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely Bryce Young. Uh, I By am how underweight. much? Though? I'm underweight. But but at the same time, I'm pretty sure like when Dalton pulls off that little San Francisco shirt, he looks like Bruce Lee underneath that. Oh, well, hundred percent. That that is for yeah. Sure. Just all um, just. Yeah, and do you think that Bryce Young comes up to like his shoulder or his chin, like from a height perspective? Uh, that's that's what I think the big offseason. Now, are we talking about Dalton or are we talking about his doppelganger? Because you remember I said that he looks like the guy from uh, <laughs> no, no, the guy from Road Trip, and so I'm pretty sure that guy's much taller than Dalton. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we've oh, said more. We've said more than I wanted to say on this game, but uh, it was good stuff. To be, it was stuff that needed to be said. <laughs> All right. Biggest game of the week, most likely Sunday Night Football. Lions at Packers. Packers are four and a half point favorites. Before I throw it uh, to to you, Tank, I will say, I kind of, um, I don't know. I, I 
I kind of balk at the notion that like oh, the Lions might not have anything to play for, you know. Agree, uh, agree. When, yeah. When we get, yeah. Well, so I'm glad you're on the same page because I know this has been a, t- a popular talking point. It's like, okay, well, Seahawks win, like the Lions have nothing to play for, whatever. Do you think old Dan Campbell is gonna walk into this game and be like, you know what, boys? We're gonna take it easy. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dial it back a little bit. You think Dan Campbell? Those lines, like. I know they don't. They won't have any playoffs to play for, but they're ahead of schedule in their rebuild, anyways, right? Like they want to end this season, which has been a positive season, on a high note. Handing the the Packers a L potentially is one motivation uh, in yeah, itself. The petty uh, there, real. yeah. But I also just think again, like Dan Campbell, the type of coach is probably not just going to have these boys like, all right, well, we don't have a shot to make the playoffs. Let's just lay down here. I think they'll still be playing up for it no matter what. No, nah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like, if they don't have an opportunity to make the playoffs, making sure that the Packers don't get into the playoffs won't be as nice, but it'll be, like, right up there to be able to hold that over their heads. But, honestly, I mean, the thing that I want to touch on in this game is because, like, for the past couple of weeks, I've been saying that, you know, the Packers, like, they've been the most dangerous team in the league because, like, Aaron Rodgers has been walking around with, like, this shitting grin on his face. Because everybody was like talking noise about them early in the season. And so now that they rattle off all these wins, no one really expected them to win. And so then they could just kind of play carefree. But now you win, you're in. You're playing at home at Lambeau, and you're facing the Detroit Lions. Now understand that these are a different lines that you faced like early in the year, a different lines team that you faced in prior years. But yet and still, the Cincinnati Bengals were still the Bungles until they became the Bengals and made it to the Super Bowl. So until you change that narrative, they're still the Lions. And so if you let this Lions team come in the Lambeau and prevent you from making it to the playoffs, yeah, you went on a nice run and you did all these good things and you were saying all these cool things in front of the microphone on the podium, but yet and still you let the Detroit Lions come up in here and bite your kneecaps off and prevent you from making it to the playoffs. So... Let's not get it twisted. Like the the Packers are playing carefree. All those young boys didn't have anything to lose going out there catching all these balls. But some of these sphincters may be a little bit tight coming into this matchup, understanding what's riding on this game. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, this is not like a, not the same sort of carefree attitude that Green Bay potentially had earlier this year, which was, you know, was, was, was deserved and they were fun playing that way. Dalton, if the Packers do win and they get in here um how dangerous are they as a playoff team yeah a couple things here um i agree with you guys about the the dan campbell's gonna have them motivated for sure but having said that if they are eliminated injuries become more of a factor it's just that's just the way it is there'd be less players to play through injuries in my opinion so i just think the timing here is something to consider as well as jared goff's just dramatic home roads but at home this year that's he true. finished with 23 touchdowns three interceptions he finished at home on the road this year, six touchdowns, seven turnovers. I mean, it's just dramatic. But he did have three touchdowns in Carolina the last time yeah. we saw them. Um, I think this game should be close. Um, and, and the Packers, I've been really worried as, an, as a Niner fan, just saying, man, that seven-seed Packers with the way that defense has been playing. You look at their offense splits on off with Christian Watson. 
By the way, Christian Watson's older than Justin Jefferson. That's a crazy fact. Um, that, so they, they get healthy, and that pressure rate, that deem, that, that's a dangerous seven seed. But, you know, the Giants are coached well. They'll kind of have a mini buy here. They're also top five. Both these teams are top five in pressure rate. So do you think I'm being dramatic? You're worried about Green Bay, and I should want that possible second-round home matchup against Minnesota as someone who has season tickets here? Or do you agree with me? And and I think the, I think the spread would be like Niners maybe minus – three and a half, four against Packers, and it'd be more like six and a half, seven against Giants? Am I way off on that? Or what do you guys think here? Uh, I, I think I'd rather face the face the Giants. Uh, if I Easily, was right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's, and, and all these times we've knocked Green Bay out of the playoffs, including last year, you know, coming off that bye, Aaron Rodgers is totally due to, to knock the, the Niners out, you know, with a, you know, Mr. Relevant starting his first playoff game. So I'm personally... Yeah using this time to talk in this podcast about how worried I am about this Packers doing work Sunday night and then going into to San Francisco the following week because this is a dangerous seven seed, man, for sure. Look at that. I mean, the health, Christian Watson there, there's, this offense is good. I mean, they're, they're running backs, their defense. I mean, they're, they're number one in DVOA against the past the previous five weeks before they annihilated the Vikings. I mean, they're playing well. I, I think especially, as Tank pointed out, Aaron Rodgers is like a – I mean, he's certainly – a annoying enough as like a favorite as, as a front runner he's like doubly uh got more going on when he's like <laughs> doubting you know when he's an underdog yeah. right like he gets to he gets to play a lot of the narrative cards so i could definitely see like all these times san francisco's come and beat the crap out of uh, green bay in 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 green bay the inverse there like rogers goes west to san francisco and, and takes him out i could 100 see that so i would i validate all your feelings dalton one last note on jared goff in this game Sunday night forecast in Green Bay, 22 degrees, nine uh, mile per hour winds. Oh, no. Jared Goff in the cold, baby. Not That's not what you want. That's not what you want <laughs> if you're Detroit Lions. Okay, so uh, this, this could certainly be a Green Bay uh, eruption spot here at the very least. All right. One final thing. What happened to DeAndre Swift this year? Why, why does Justin Jackson not play last week and they give him 30% of the snaps still and he still puts up 30 <laughs> fantasy points? I mean, what is the deal? I mean, DeAndre Swift I don't know, is man. just a mystery. Sorry. All right. I had to get just wild. He's, he's really good at football. I'd like to see him play more next year. Right. <laughs> they, I think they just view him as a change of pace back. That's probably my guess there, um, which is just uh, it's crazy. Uh, all right. That is going to do it for us. I appreciate you guys um, sticking through a long podcast. We had a lot of stuff to say, obviously some important stuff to talk about. And I appreciate uh, both of your perspectives on DeMar Hamlin. And of course, uh, Tank, I'm glad you read off the the, the note that the doctors had about, uh, you know, asking him uh, or him asking if he had won the game. That's great. That's good stuff. Yeah. We just want to continue to hear more and more good things out of uh, DeMar Hamlin and everything going on there. And yeah, we're just, we're, we're hoping for the best. And I appreciate you guys uh, sticking with me on the show here. Uh, talking about that and previewing the week 18 uh, schedule long one here programming note this was supposed to be the last week of daily episodes from this feed but of course that did not happen uh now it's just going to be the first week of two to three uh episodes weekly and i also want to send out a sincere thank you to everybody who stuck with this podcast all year long my first year being uh the daily host and it was i had a blast it was fun I, i'm always open to feedback um, I've like an idiot opened my DMs just to give me, <laughs> don't ask me start sick questions in the DMs. That's, that's, I don't got time for that. I'm sorry. But if you have feedback on the show, you can send me a DM. You can let me know. I'm, I'm happy to talk through anything, but I appreciate everybody that supported and stuck through this podcast, uh, all year long. Now, as we transition away from the daily episodes, um, and you know, I'm thankful to all of you, you two 
thankful to everybody who came on uh, as a co-host of the show. Very, very grateful uh, this year for sure. You can follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton Del Don. Uh, you're not going to see what Twitter drama he's into, but you can check out uh, his three tweets per year and many other retweets from uh, other accounts. You can also follow at Tank Williams 13 for the best trash talk ever aimed at the great Andy Barons. And while you're there, I guess you can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB and follow at Yahoo Fantasy to stay up to date with uh, everything that's going on here at Yahoo Fantasy. Dalton will be back with me on Monday with a recap of the games and the year-end fantasy awards uh, we talked about doing earlier this week have been moved to next week, so make sure you stay tuned to the feed for that. Until then, we're out.